0: a burial, an empty tomb, and the risen Jesus.
1: Grab your Bible and let's talk. Welcome to the Bible, Glitter and Glue podcast, where Bible study and thought-provoking conversation lead to creative teaching. Now, here are your hosts, David and Mary Nelson. It's so good of you to join us today. David, I'm really Happy to be talking about the resurrection of Jesus today. We've been through some difficult stories as we've read through the Gospels. In our last podcast, we talked about the terrible death of Jesus on the cross, and we left with him having died. And then today we get to hear the rest of the story. Right. I'm just going to put the outline out there right away, because I think that will help shape Our talk, so we could be covering this story in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, but we've chosen Luke. So I would say the first point would be the burial of Jesus, the second, the empty tomb, and then the third point, just the times he appeared to people. The burial in Luke chapter 23, verses 50 through 56, the empty tomb chapter 24, verses 1 through 12, and then those appearances, chapter 24, verses 13 through 49. And that kind of covers this whole idea of what happened after the cross.
0: So our story today begins with Joseph from Arimathea. Jesus died on the cross, and it was important for him to be taken down and buried. And that's actually his burial is one of the important parts of telling the gospel stories, not just that he just died on the cross, but that he was buried in a tomb. So it's Joseph of Arimathea that is responsible or asked for responsibility for taking Jesus's body off the cross and then burying his body. And all four gospel stories talk about Joseph of Arimathea.
1: But we haven't really talked about him before, right? Is he mentioned before
0: this? Uh, No, this is the only time he is mentioned And no one knows exactly where Arimathea is, a small village. Many believe it was somewhere around Jerusalem. He was a wealthy person. He has his own tomb in Jerusalem. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council. That's the Sanhedrin. And according to the Gospel of Matthew and also the Gospel of John, it says he was a secret disciple of Jesus.
1: So even here in Luke, it says... He had not agreed with the rest of the Sanhedrin and the decisions they were making about Jesus.
0: Yeah, that's right. Luke also mentions that he was a good and righteous man.
1: After all, God did come to bring this good news to the Jewish people. And they should have all been good and righteous and accepted this message. But here's one man that did.
0: Yeah. Joseph goes to Pilate, and he asks Pilate for permission to bury the body the romans would sometimes leave the bodies on the cross to rot or to be eaten by animals and that would be a deterrent to others other times they would either cremate the dead body or just simply bury the body whole joseph as a member of the sanhedrin comes to pilate and probably because he's a member would have no hesitation in allowing joseph to take the body of jesus away it's important to note also mary that at the end of this section the women are still watching all that's going on. there at the cross, they're here at the tomb, and they watch where Jesus' body is laid, and they watch how Jesus' body is laid into the tomb. And then they leave because their intention is to prepare perfume and spices for the body, and that would be to keep it uh, from smelling so much.
1: This would have just been the normal custom, I guess, for burials and— people that have been buried, would that have been normal?
0: That would be normal, yeah. And then, of course, a year later, what would happen is, after all the flesh had rotted away, they would go into the tomb, take the bones, and put them in a a box, a bone box, called an ossuary. That would be part of the custom as well. But they would come back to anoint the dead body with spices and perfume, and so they intend to do that, but they leave in order to rest on the Sabbath as Moses commanded
1: The other Gospels talk about the cloths they wrapped around Jesus. So that normal procedure would have been to wrap the cloths around his body, even put perfumes and things in it then. All of that would have been a normal Jewish custom of burying people. Joseph, these women, these mentions here actually all are witnesses. They all become witnesses of what is happening. Yeah. This is Friday. Jesus was buried on Friday. That was the first day. And then there was the second day, which would have been the Saturday. And now we see what happens on the third day.
0: So these same women who had left to prepare spices and perfumes to anoint the body, they come back to the tomb. It's very early in the morning. On the first day of the week, it says, on Sunday, as you mentioned, And when they get to the tomb and get to the place where Jesus is buried, they made a discovery. The first discovery was the stone had been rolled away.
1: Ah, the stone. Now, where did the stone come in? I think the other Gospels actually talk about that in the burial. Luke doesn't. But in the other Gospels, we learn that a large stone was rolled in front of that opening. And actually, there were guards there too. We learn about that in other Gospels. They come upon this scene and they were expecting a stone and guards, but nothing.
0: Stone was rolled away. So they go into the tomb or peer into the tomb and discover that it was empty. There was no body. And while they were perplexed and wondering about this, it says that two men in shining clothes suddenly stood beside them that's in verse four and these women are scared to death and i think i would be too if i was there because you're you're perplexed about the empty tomb and all of that all of a sudden these two men appear so yeah i would be scared too but anyway these two angels they announce to the women the message that forms the foundation of our christian faith he is not here but has risen Wow. And I don't know if that sunk in or not, but they ran back to where the 11 and the rest of the disciples were gathered together.
1: Well, before that, I think it's worth mentioning the angels remind them of the facts here that Jesus said he would die on the cross. Jesus said he would rise up again on the third day. So whether that sank in or not, I'm not sure. But here they go back to tell the rest of the disciples, as you said.
0: And Luke names some of these women. There was a Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and then some other women. When they get back, they told them everything that had happened at the tomb, how they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, how the tomb was empty, and that these two shining men announced to them that he is not here, but he is risen, and reminded them what Jesus had said. But you know what? Everyone listening to the what the women were saying was thinking, this is... This is just nonsense. It's nonsense. But it says in verse 12, but Peter got up and he ran to the tomb and he gets there and he looks in and he only sees the cloth that Jesus' body had been wrapped in. There was no body in the cloth itself. The tomb was empty of a body. I wonder why Peter felt compelled to go and check out the woman's story. I think maybe Peter might have been hopeful
1: I find it interesting, Peter's reaction. Peter went away to be alone, wondering about what had happened. I don't remember ever reading that about Peter. You know, usually you think of him with people, saying things, talking a lot, reacting a lot, being very emotional. But at this time, he wants to go and be alone. This has overridden everything about his personality. This is so important. Where is the body of Jesus?
0: That's a good point you make, Mary. The empty tomb is an important thing to note about the resurrection of Jesus. Believing the resurrection of Jesus was not an easy thing. When these women were first telling the disciples about it, they didn't believe it. So empty tomb itself did not automatically guarantee a belief in the resurrection of Jesus. It was the empty tomb and the appearances of Jesus Those two things together created belief in the resurrection of Jesus. And I think that's just important for us to note.
1: Well, that's right. We can so easily, having had the benefit of the whole story, we've read ahead, I guess, in the Bible to what happens next. But if someone I care deeply about had passed away and then they appear again right in front of me, I think I would be very shocked. It would take me a while to comprehend because that doesn't happen. So what's happening right then had to be just incredible. So Jesus does appear to a number of people in these next verses, and and actually in some of the other gospel stories, things are presented in a little bit different way, and it makes me want to talk about all of them, but obviously we're not going to do that in one podcast. But One of these is he appears to two people that are on the road to Emmaus. That's a story within itself. Kind of makes me want to have another story just about that. Yeah, Two people seeing him. Then they rush to tell the disciples, who must have been just kind of gathered together, wondering about all of these things. Those two people rush to tell them. And then wouldn't you know, who appears to those disciples?
0: Yeah, it says while the two followers were telling them of what they experienced on the road to Emmaus, all of a sudden Jesus himself stood among those gathered, it says in verse 36. And he says, peace be with you. Like the women, they were fearful and they were terrified because they believed they were seeing a ghost. I mean, what else could it be besides a ghost? And in these verses, verses 36 through verse 43, Jesus is offering them proof that this is really himself. He's not a ghost.
1: What better way than to show them his hands that had been wounded on that cross and show them his feet. And during that whole time, they're hearing his voice. And then just to top that off, in case there's any doubt that it's not a real body, he says, is there some food? And he eats some fish right in front of them. So, this is not some ethereal body that you can barely see and it's transparent or something. This is his body. He has risen from the dead and he is in his body.
0: Mary, I think that's a very important point for us to note because I think sometimes we get the idea, yeah, Jesus was raised from the dead, but he was kind of a, a spirit. But no, it was a body. In fact, I think Luke wants to emphasize the physicality of the resurrection because he invites his disciples to use their senses to experience him. Sight, sound, touch. So he even has the scars he even eats. And it's not because he's hungry. It's because he's demonstrating that this is himself, not a ghost. Through this section here notice how often luke uses the word seeing that jumps out at me as he's describing their experience of the risen jesus this is not another jesus with another body this is the body that died on the cross this is the body that was laid in the tomb and this is that same body this is jesus himself
1: but this is not a body like lazarus was raised from the dead Others had been raised from the dead, but that's different. Those bodies would still age. They would get old. They would die. But this is different, isn't it?
0: This is different, and I think it's impossible for us to describe, but we are to note that it is different. Lazarus came and others, they came back to life again, but Jesus can't die now. His body is the same, but it's not exactly the same. It's a body that can't die Whatever body that's like, it's a physical body, but it can't die. Death no longer has power over Jesus. Jesus has defeated death in his resurrection.
1: And that's really an important point in our Christian faith, that Jesus has power over death. In these next verses, I find it interesting. Jesus turns into the teacher again. It says in verse 45 that he opened their minds so that they can understand. He goes on to teach them truths, and he reminds them of what had been written. He reminds them of what has been said about his resurrection. And he's saying, remember, remember, I said this would happen. Remember, this was God's plan all along. And so he opens their minds maybe some things finally start clicking maybe some things start making sense in their minds
0: yes i think this is something like their aha moment we may have had these moments too when we read the bible and we hear it or we see what it's saying and then at another time we read it and something just jumps out at us and we see it and understand it more deeply more clearly it was there all along before But now we're just really getting it. And I think maybe this is what they're experiencing when Jesus is going to those same Old Testament texts and saying, look, they're talking about me. So after the resurrection, now they can understand it. Now they can see it. It's making sense to them.
1: But that's not where it stops. We've talked about this before when we teach the idea of teaching in a way where we touch a person's mind. They learn new things their heart. It becomes part of them. But then it comes to what they do about it. And Jesus does that here. He says, you must go and teach. He's saying, you must start at Jerusalem and preach these things in my name to all nations. He begins that commission already, right here in his first appearance to the apostles. They're going to have a big part to play in what happens next. And we'll be talking about that in future podcasts, but Jesus is covering the whole thing. This is happening, but this is not just something to learn.
0: That's right. The Old Testament story is pointing to all of this. God has always intended for all people to be blessed. That's the whole story of the Bible. And now all people can be blessed in Jesus. Now it can happen. And so this message has to go out to all people, all the nations. All nations are invited to become part of God's renewed people under the lordship of Jesus. This mission of God's people, it's the continuing mission of Jesus. When Luke begins the book of Acts in chapter 1, verse 1, he says, In my former book, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach implying that Jesus is continuing to do and to teach in his church. The mission that he gives to his disciples is none other than his mission, the things that he's been doing in his ministry. It's all connected together so we can participate in the mission of Jesus, bringing God's blessing to everyone around us.
1: As we look at this wonderful story of the resurrection of Jesus, I really want to bring that emotion into my Bible class. When I'm teaching children, I want them to experience some of these same feelings and thoughts. One way I do this, David, and I've taught this story a few different times where the children make a craft in Bible class. We make a tomb. You could do it in different ways, out of a box or use two paper plates stapled together and cut out a body shape out of some thick cardboard. Then I have some gauze and we wrap the body Like we're wrapping the body of Jesus and preparing him for burial in the tomb. And what I've done before, I've used gauze. I've also used just toilet paper and wrapped and then sprayed it with some water. So it kind of sticks together and then wrap some more, spray, wrap some more, spray. So pretty soon we have this kind of (laughs) damp body and we put that in the tomb. And then we just crumple up paper like it's a stone, and we put that in front of the opening. I tell the children, all right, we're going to leave that here so our craft will have time to dry for next week. So we're leaving Jesus in the tomb. And then the next time the children come, I've done a little work on my own. I actually go in there, and I take the bodies out, and I set those aside, and I move the stone. And so when the children walk into the room, they— immediately want to see how their craft fared over the week. So they run to the tombs and they see the tomb is empty. Hmm. Who took Jesus? Who took my Jesus? Almost every one of them has the same reaction. Where's Jesus? He's not in the tomb. And you're probably getting ahead of me here. That's what I want them to ask, because they're experiencing a little bit in a small way what, The women were experiencing when they came to the tomb and said, where's Jesus? Who took him? Of course, with the children, I go on to talk about that story, about the resurrection. We review what that meant and that Jesus' body was not there. Where was Jesus' body? And we go on to tell the story and review. And of course, I'll give them that rest of their craft before they go home so they can repeat that same experience at home with their families. In a small way, I'm just giving them an opportunity to feel the resurrection, to be part of that resurrection, what it would be like. A lot of ideas on my website, missionbibleclass.org. So you can go there, and there are some different crafts that you could do to bring this story alive. What would you do in an adult class, David?
0: One thing that you can do in, in the classroom is just ask the class, and they're reading a scripture, Have they ever experienced any aha moments. And just ask them to share those moments and how that made them feel and, and what new insights did they gain in this aha moment that they would like to share with the class. Another question to ask the class, and it's a deep question and it's something that's worthy of a lot of thinking about, is what does the resurrection mean to you and how does it inspire faith and hope in you? And that's a question we all need to be Thinking about and reflecting on, because the resurrection means everything to us.
1: Jesus could have been just a good man that lived a good life, taught good things, and died. Yeah. You know, there have been a lot of people like that that have done some good things and died, but that's not the gospel story. That's not the story of Jesus. I think, David, as I'm reading through this, I'm reminded how each of these people, the women, the Disciples, Peter, these two people on the road, in each case, they were so surprised, so unbelieving of how this could be possible. And yet, as the angels reminded the women, Jesus said this would happen. And yet, they're surprised. And I think it's a good reminder to me as a teacher because I teach children and I'm telling these very important truths. But as children, they're not understanding all of them. They interpret it in a child's way, and it might take years before they understand fully these things from the Bible. And it takes me a long time now to understand things sometimes. So it's a good reminder to keep teaching and teach the truth. Teach the Bible to children and to adults because they'll have years to unpack all of that and to understand and to apply it to their lives. Good reminder for me.
0: And me too. And may God bless you as you speak into the lives of adults and children.
1: Thank you for listening to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast. Subscribe now to listen to new weekly episodes and visit missionbibleclass.org for more free resources to help you share God's Word with children.